0: I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Welcome to Hollywood and Levine. I am Ken Levine, your podcast host. This week, part two of my interview with Al Michaels. And if you missed part one, after you listen to this, go back and listen to that, because that was pretty great. Well, this week, we focus on football. And of course, Al is the voice of NBC Sunday Night Football. And prior to that, he spent 20 years calling Monday Night Football games on ABC. Well, we talk a lot about his preparation, just what it is like to call a game on national television we spend time discussing partners rules of the nfl if you are a sports fan this is the episode for you and even if you're not a sports fan he's a pretty fascinating guy al michaels part two this week on hollywood and levine part of your job is working with partners and you have worked with a number of partners and that really has to be an adjustment because you really do have to establish a chemistry and you have a lot of different personalities in different sports. I've probably worked with over 100. Wow. I mean, because if you wow. think
1: about all the sports that I have done, uh-huh. I mean, been I'm at, at ABC, you know, wide world of sports, I did everything. Rugby, <laughs> high diving, uh, target diving, all kinds of auto racing, um, Ski flying ski, you name it, motorcycles on ice, so I have worked <laughs> with i have through the years I've probably worked with i think I, I would bet you it's three figures uh-huh. hot, you know baseball football hockey right. basketball um, most of them were great i mean there, uh, because we there's a chemistry that gets that gets developed, and i think i I've been fortunate in that most of the people I've worked with have been very smart, want to be good in the business. The hardest thing would be an analyst who would come to the table and think that he or she, because they played the sport or coached the sport, Uh they know it, and, uh, you know, so off they go. Yeah. And don't want to get any better because, you know, they know. And that's why they're there. But the, the really, really good ones, and I'm, boy, I've had so many, they get into the business of broadcasting. Mm-hmm. That's what, that, you're not in the ex-jock business. You're right. not. You're in the broadcasting business, which is communication and communication skills. And I take somebody like Tim McCarver. Tim McCarver was a perfect example of a guy who, the minute he left the playing field, went into broadcasting. And learned all he could about the inner workings of a broadcast. What are they doing in a truck? What is everybody's job? How does this work? How do we fold this in together? How do we all get synchronized? And that's why, to me, Tim was as good a baseball analyst as there's there's ever been. I had the great pleasure of working with him for a lot of years. And he understood how to construct a broadcast it goes back to being a broadcaster. It goes, right. Yeah. So Tim, I mean, Tim was, a, you know, a, a great player, you know, played in four different decades, uh, World Series, uh, you know, caught Bob Gibson all of those years. I mean, a spectacular career. Uh, could have been, there's no question in my mind, Tim McCarver would have made a tremendous manager. Mm-hmm. And he had opportunities to. Mm-hmm. But he chose broadcasting, and then he immersed himself in it. So did John Madden. John Madden is another example of a man who knew everything there was there is to know about football, Hall of Fame coach, but John learned the broadcasting business. And you take these people, Chris Collinsworth, another
0: classic example. Now you have said that Quite he is them. the best football analyst that you've ever worked with. Well, I
1: mean I wanna I don't want to say, you know, I'm not gonna compare Chris and John Madby because they were both fantastic. Right.
0: In very different ways. ways. In, in
1: different ways. There's what no, makes no Chris so good? Well, number one, going back to what I just talked about, the, the he's in the he's in the communications business, mm-hmm. and he understands it. Uh, he is unbelievably prepared. Uh, I mean, if you know him, he's one of my dearest friends. In addition to being a broadcast partner, a tremendous guy with a, a, a big heart. Uh, we share, along with the rest of the crew, our goal of you know however good we might have been last week we're going to be better this week mm-hmm. so you 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 you're never resting on any laurels uh you're moving ahead but he gets it he just it's hard to explain but you sit there with somebody and it's a comfort level and it's almost like you're not on the air you're just having a conversation with somebody mm-hmm. even though there's a game to be broadcast and I have to do what a play-by-play person does announce the play and Chris does the the analysis, but there's a um, symbiosis which is uh, it just happens. I, I can't explain it. I really can't ex- because if you try to go into you know it's going into the old sausage factory. How is it made? Right. You know, you, yeah, it's you know, like people you, say to you, me how do you, you know, how do you be funny? How do you be right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and, and you can't explain it. And I mean, how do they make sausage? I don't want to see how they make it. All I know is that you put it on a plate with some you know uh, eggs over easy. It tastes fantastic. So <laughs> this <laughs> is this is what. Pretty much takes place in our business. And Chris is just, I mean, one of the things that makes him so tremendous, uh, I mean, i followed sports since I was six years old. I've seen God knows how many football games announced, you know, almost a 1,000 now between college and wow. through the well, almost <laughs> I've probably done 750 NFL games plus, you know, I did years of college football, In Hawaii high school, whatever. I mean, I've seen a few football games. Yeah. I I think I know a lot about (laughs) football, a lot, but Chris will go, he'll come in doors that I didn't even know existed. He will see something that I hadn't even thought about. Uh, and and McCarver did that in baseball too. It's like, wow, as, as much as I thought I knew about this, uh, and that's what makes him so great. I mean, it's, it's not, it, it, he, it's different. He knows how to come in different doors So you're basically doing a lot of the same things. I mean, you know, if you watch games and plays develop and all the rest, uh, there's a commonality, but he can take that commonality and make it seem different, and that's an art.
0: Mm -hmm. One thing that you do that I really appreciate is, boy, you know the rules. And it seems like every third game... (laughs) there's some kind of crazy play some kind of arcane rule where if he has his left foot in but his knee is over his shoulder that it's it's you know a catch and and the rules change every year but you really stay up with all of that
1: well they 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 change and they expand. And I must tell you, it's now gotten to the point where we brought in Terry McCauley last year, the former referee, who Mm -hmm. uh, officiated three Super Bowls and was in the league for about 20 years. We had to because it's now reached the point in the middle of the game. I mean, I can't go back in my head and think, you know, Section 403, (laughs) Article 12, subparagraph, whatever. And, And so many things are so subjective. And you have to look at them from different angles. So we felt uh, compelled to bring in a, a man. And Terry did a great job last year. Uh, we had a—it's funny—we had a year where we had probably fewer <laughs> plays. That's we, we well, because you had we, him. We needed, we, yeah. we had him. Yeah. Terry's right. sitting right there. Right. You know, he's, uh, the makeup lady is uh, taking care of him every week, but he's—he's <laughs> he's never getting on camera. We, we finally got him on camera in the uh, in the playoffs because we had a crazy play in the uh, Philadelphia Chicago. Uh, playoff game, but it's, it's, it's to the point now where you really do need, I mean, Fox started it with Mike Pereira brought in Dean Blandino, uh, Gene Steratore now is over at CBS. We've got Terry McCauley. You really need that person because they, they've been there and you might know the rules and you might look at it from one angle, but they have done this they not only know the rules, but they can interpret what the officials are looking at and what they're seeing. And now you've got New York involved and all of the rest, so it's become so insanely complicated that you do need, need that that extra person in the booth to uh, to bail you
0: out in a way. Right, but it's really impressive how you are you are on that. My biggest fear in broadcasting baseball is not screwing up plays because everybody screws up plays. <coughs> I do, well, uh, but something happens, and I don't know what's going on. That you know, the manager comes out, and the umpires are converging, and I'm going, what, what's happening out there? Right. That was always my biggest fear. Yeah, and, and that's going to happen. And mm-hmm. there are times when
1: I don't care how many years you've done it or whatever, where you know, look, there's been no greater baseball broadcaster ever than Vince Scully. None. I mean, sixty-seven years, mm-hmm. but. You know, Vinny can tell you any number of times when, you know, you're trying to figure out what's going on, right? Because you're not down there, uh, and it's hard. And as a consequence, you, you know, you, you now you're working through a lot of scenarios in your in your mind. And the only thing, you know I mean, I think the best thing to do in those circumstances is to say, you know, I'm not sure what's happening here. Mm-hmm. But then you go back and you know what 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 has just happened? What is taking place? But don't try to play expert when you can't play expert exactly. because you don't know. Yeah. So I think it's... be worse. I think honesty is best at that point. I think uh, you do yourself a disservice if you try to say, well, this is what's going on and it's not what's going on. And, you know, early in my career, I would try to speculate about certain things and then find out later that I was wrong. Mm-hmm. And I, at that point, knew it was just best to say, all right, folks, I'm not sure what's happening here. But let's take a look at this side and that side, and and go through what might be happening. But then say, look, I'm, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And that's why these days too, not only uh, you have an official in the booth, but you know, uh, to me, a sideline reporter is is hugely beneficial. We have Michelle Tafoya. who uh, she's me, great, she's phenomenal, yeah. she is great, and she has to. You know, be alert and she's down there on the field. She gets a different perspective than we do, but boy, she is so fast on her feet and she is unbelievably talented, not only on the air, but off the air in helping us go through certain things that she can see and feel that are taking place. On the sideline. So I know there's a tendency for people to say, oh, I don't want to hear a sideline report this. You know, hey, coach, how do you feel? No, they don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are so many very good ones out there. I, look, I worked with uh, Leslie Visser and Andrea Kramer and Michelle, and I'll put them up against
0: anybody. I'll put Michelle up against any reporter in the country, print or electronics. She's that good. Yeah, that's great. Walk me through your preparation, okay? For, let's say, it's going to be Sunday night, Green Bay at Chicago. How do you start preparing for the game? When do you start preparing and how?
1: Well, you're you're never not preparing
0: to the extent that even in the offseason, I'm paying
1: attention mm-hmm. because what's taking place in April might be relevant in September because you're watching how teams are constructing what they're doing in the offseason, the draft process, signing free agents, Uh, coaching moves, and all of the rest. So I like to have in my brain kind of a tapestry. Uh, My brain sort of works chronologically. I like to think in chronological terms. So if I'm relating a story in September or October, I can go back and I can frame it by, you know, in April... This was happening, and mm. then in June this happened, and then the, it changed in August. So, in terms of preparation, as I say, you you'd never not prepare. I read about football year round, every day, uh, staying abreast of it. Talk to people inside the business. I've done it for so many years now. I know, you know, fortunately, a ton of people I can talk to them during the off season. Just get caught up, and then as the game approaches, obviously, you're you're, you're really locking in on 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 those teams. And, uh, you know, you want to know as much about the teams, the players, the coaches, the owners, as you possibly can. The other thing I think for me uh, that I find to be very beneficial is uh, we do so many teams uh, that, are, that are in the spotlight a lot, the Dallas Cowboys, the New England Patriots. So if we do a game, a national audience has maybe seen that team Four weeks out of five prior to when we have them, they've mm-hmm. been on Fox, they've been on CBS right, so I'll probably go back and, uh, and watch most of those games just to hear what's been talked about because if there's a story that you think is relevant, but it's been talked about four or five times, I know that, I know that I want to understand what the frame of reference is for the viewer and the listener. What do they know what what don't they know? And the best thing is you know, to find out something that hasn't been talked about over a four- or five-week period. Mm-hmm. And, and then you know, you know you've know you pretty much got a clean slate. But uh, other times, that's why I find it's very important to, especially with those teams with the teams that we have a lot, the Steelers, the Packers, and all of that, uh, you want to know what, what fans know. What's fun for me a lot is to get teams that people haven't seen. Now, we, we'll probably get the Cleveland Browns this year.
0: Who on, uh, wow. well, who yeah. had, well, well, they were like 1-16 you know, that, that, or something that, you know, as a couple we, of years ago. As we discussed, <laughs> this, the schedule <laughs>
1: hasn't come out, but I'm assuming there's a good <laughs> chance that, you know, Cleveland might be on a, a Sunday night game. So, you know, I mean... People maybe think Jim Brown still plays for them. Right. I mean, it's <laughs> wait, been that wait. long. He not I tell you, <laughs> right? Well, yeah. Well, Leroy <laughs> Kelly just retired, but <laughs> and Frank Bennyfield is still in the secondary. But you know, it's been so long, so it's kind of fun in a way to uh, to have teams you haven't seen in a while, right? You, you kind of can start from a different place than you can with the Dallas Cowboys, right? So you would go to Chicago when uh, two or three days beforehand. Okay, and then what we we try to do is uh, spend uh, one day at practice with the home team and meet with the players and the coaches that we uh, we want to interview, and then uh, on the day before the game is when the visiting team comes to town, so we will meet with them, a number of people from that team at the hotel. But during the week, it's a matter of you know looking at tapes, talking to people, uh, reading up on everything. Uh, there's so much information out there right now, Ken. Uh, I'll tell you the hardest part right now is is delineating between the information and the misinformation. <laughs> A lot of misinformation. All goes back to that oh, again. Oh my God! It? Yeah. It, goes, it goes back to what you know, you'll read something or hear something. So I know if I'm going to deal with something that I'm wondering about, and I read something, I'll go to the horse's mouth. I'll go to the player, the coach, the you know, whatever, and say, "Tell me about this," so that I hear. From them, And that's, you know, the, the fans know so much more uh, than they used to now because of the internet and, and the proliferation of media and all of the rest. But they also know a lot of stuff that, frankly,
0: is junk. Yeah, right, hearsay right. and stuff from right. blogs right. and podcasts. Like, who, Wait, get, yeah, who gets I, their information from podcasts, right. for God's sakes? <laughs> Nobody,
1: don't take anything that I say seriously.
0: <laughs> when you're in the booth... Describe to me what you're looking at. I mean, how many monitors and stratocasters and how many people are surrounding you? What is it like if I'm standing over your shoulder in the broadcast booth? Well, to my right would be, as you look at the field, uh, Chris Collinsworth.
1: And to my left is Kelly Hayes, Malibu Kelly Hayes, who's been my spotter for as long as I've been doing football Hmm. uh, on network television, college and pro. And Kelly's there as a second set of eyes for me because you can't see everything. So uh, a lot of times he'll show me, you know, who's in and out of the game because I'm watching the monitor and I, I set it up so that the monitor is in front of me, but I can look over the top of the monitor so I can, it depends. I move my eyes up or down up and I'm looking at the field live down. and I'm looking at the monitor, but I, 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 Set it up that way because you never want to not see what's on the monitor. Can't watch it all the time. I have to look at the field. So it's a it's a thing where you're doing. You're probably trying to do both. It's like you have four eyes instead of two, mm-hmm. uh, keeping an eye on the field, but always having the monitor there. And especially if if I'm looking at the field live, but I can see you know the monitor. Is, is in play, you know, maybe 20% of my vision at that point, and I see a camera cut, I'll make sure I look at that, because that's what the the person at home is seeing. Mm-hmm. So I've got to identify, or whatever, I see something that they're seeing, and I miss it, It's that's not very good. I mean, it's, it could be something extremely irrelevant. So, um, again, it's making the uh, the sausage. I,
0: I I don't know how to explain it, it just happens. Do I, you I've done tend so many to, games. Do I've done you so many tend games to play. watch... The, I, yes, you watch the monitor most right. of the time. During the actual play, do you tend to watch the field just so that well, no, you I, can see something else that you're not basically married to whatever is is shown on the, on the
1: monitor? Well, if it's a running play, it's easy to look at the monitor because it's in a confined area. Right. If it's a pass play, mm-hmm. then I'll try to look at the field. Because I know if, it, if it's a passing situation, for the most part, you know I want to see which receivers are lined up where. Figure out, figure out who's on what side of the field. Kind of during the play itself, you know where you're on, on the on camera. I mean, when you're looking at the your television set, what you're seeing is the quarterback. He's back in the pocket. Mm-hmm. You're not seeing the receivers running their routes at right. that point. So I know he's back there. I've got to keep an eye on, you know, is he going to get sacked? Is he under pressure? But I also will try to glance at the field to see if I can you know, discern at that point what basic routes they're running, who's where. Mm-hmm. You know, is this guy running a go route? Somebody's going over the middle. So that gives you a little heads up on where the ball might be going. So that's what you try to do. You know, sometimes it it really works well. Other times it's like you're fooled too. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, you're kind of watching the play along with the fans, but at least I have a general idea
0: as to who's where at any particular time. One thing I love about your broadcast is you bring an enthusiasm to the game. You've been doing it all these years, and yet you really sound like you genuinely are excited to be there. And to be calling that game and, you know, to to have that love and passion after all those years, um, it really does come through. Well, I really love sports, Ken. It's, it's
1: unscripted drama. I love the drama. I love drama. Uh, some fans still think announcers root. Yeah, I root. You know what I root for? Overtime. I want mm-hmm. a close game. I want drama. I want controversy. I want excitement. Uh... I still get a thrill. I know Vinny always talked about, Ben Scully, you know, the crowd. Still excites mm-hmm. me. Um, still excites me to drive up to the stadium, to walk into the stadium, to watch the stadium fill up, the lights come on. Uh, I've been tremendously fortunate in that most of my career, especially in, in the second half of it, has been most of the games are on national television. They're important. They're big. Uh, so many people are watching it. You know, to be on the number one show on television now eight years in a row is astonishing mm-hmm. so i've got i i I've, I've lucked into the best of the best in, in my career, and I never forget it and um I know Kurt Gowdy, who I talked about earlier, who I loved I idolized and I actually got to meet him when I was in college
0: mm-hmm.
1: and he was doing the Red Sox in Scottsdale, Arizona in spring training and brought him a tape machine and you know, <laughs> He gave me some tips and all that. Then I got to work the World Series with him and the Olympics and all of the rest. And I'll never forget. Kurt said to me at one point when I was young and you know, things were going pretty well, and you know he said, "You know you're gonna have a great career." He said, "Don't get jaded. Don't get jaded. Don't." You know, there are too many people that he knew in the business who would get to a certain point and then they would bitch about they didn't get certain assignments or whatever, or they're doing they're, they're doing another game. And those words always rang in my ears. But I still look. I still love sports, even when I'm not doing a game. I mean, I can get immersed in a uh, mm-hmm. in a telecast. I mean, we're, we're we're taping this the day after, you know, Tiger Woods just won the Masters. Wasn't that great? I mean, that yeah. was yeah. It's a fantastic four hours of fantastic television. Mm-hmm. CBS did a, a, a wonderful job yesterday, capturing everything. And um, I mean, that was that was riveting. So if you, you know, I I still feel that way about sports. You go to the stadium, you don't know what's going to happen. The last four Super Bowls I've done, amazingly enough, have all gone down to either the last player of the game or the last 30 seconds, which Mm -hmm. is crazy. You know, you dream about that. Uh, It's not quite as exciting if the score is 45-3 in the third quarter. But then, you know, I'll play the string stories and stuff. I'll play the string in, right. Yeah. And then, you know, this next week. So right. you have another chance to, you know, uh, pop open a cork uh, uh, for a bottle of champagne the next week. Right. So that's pretty much how I look at it. I have got, I've had the job that I can't tell you how many millions of uh, people would love to have had. And I was the anointed one and the blessed one who, who got this job. And I never forgot it. And uh, it's great. I mean, I don't want to, you know, I don't believe in reincarnation, but I wrote in the book, if there is such a thing, and God wanted to get even with me in my next life, I will be working in a sulfur mine (laughs) in
0: Mongolia. Not only that, I'll be on the night shift, and that will make up for this life. (laughs) One final quick question. How well do you sleep before the night you have to do a Super Bowl?
1: Pretty much the same as any night's sleep. <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of like up and, you know, two or three times during the night. I mean, it's just the normal pattern. Um, early in my career, yeah, I mean, it, it was very exciting because I, I don't know how much I slept before that uh, uh, 1972 World Series when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be, you know, an unbelievable experience and all of that. I can't remember, but... It's pretty much the same right now because I guess it's experience, it's having been there, and all of the rest. Um, you know, it's more an excitement than it is a nervousness. Uh, you're anxious. You know, it's funny the the Super Bowl, for instance, is a, an event that is watched by you know 100 million to 110 million or more people, and I've done ten of them now. Wow. And it pretty, I know it's like crazy over a 30-year period. We get it every three years. And I think that um, people say, are you nervous? And it's. I think it's like I've heard players say, game starts and, yeah, there's an excitement and all. And then the game starts and then the first play is this contact and then you, you kind of fall settle in. The yeah. It's the same thing for me on the Super Bowl uh, or any big event that I've done. You know, you're excited. You want to, you know, get – the get off to a good start. I liken it to a horse race, and you're a horse, and you're coming out of the gate, mm-hmm. and you don't want to stumble, you don't want to throw the jockey. Mm-hmm. You want You want to get off to. You want to break cleanly, and if you can get off to that good start, and then you're rolling. I mean, in that first World Series, uh, you know. Like I say, I, I could. I'm, I'm just hoping that air will come out of my mouth coming on camera. And then by the seventh game in the ninth inning, man, I'm right at home. This is, this, this is great. This is an E-ride at Disneyland plus. So it's just it's getting into the rhythm, getting into the groove, and once it goes, you've been there before, and it's uh, very exciting.
0: Great. Well, Al, this has really been a treat. Thank you so much, and look forward to seeing you on TV. I hope so, Ken. Take care, man. Thank you. And that will do it for this week. Again, our thanks to Adam and Susie Meister-Butler, Bruce and Jason Miller, Howard Hoffman, and John Wolfer. If you want to write me, I will write you back. Just email me at hollywoodlevine at outlook.com. That's hollywoodlevine at outlook.com. Follow me on Twitter at Ken Levine. Instagram, Hollywood and Levine. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Hollywood